535, hit us out to Laredo. About to pick us some pounds so we can make us some queso. No luggage in the trunk, just me and Saki. Headed back down to Texas, now we serving these beans. It's that time for the I-35 Sports Connection. It's AAA, riding solo, no Mila. She's under the weather, so wish her the best of health if you get an opportunity to on Twitter at I-35 Sports CXN. Anyway, let's jump into it because we got a lot to talk about. We got a hard knock life for the Cowboys. We've got MLB All-Stars for the Rangers and the Royals and why it's a good reason for the Rangers, but not what you think. Uh, we also got my my betting the over on the Royals in jeopardy. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, hopefully I can pull through and, and not be wrong for the first time in how know how long. And then we also got Luca making the Olympics happen for Slovenia for the first time in the history of that country. So that's gigantic and, and why that's a good thing if you are the Mavs and, and what to look out for there. But let's, let's get into it. It's a hard knock life for the Cowboys and they are on hard knocks, for HBO starting August 10th, and then we'll run for five episodes every week after that. So first things first, this is the third time the Cowboys are on it. How they get on it for a third time? What's the criteria to be on all, be on Hard Knocks? And it's kind of not, you don't want to make these criteria to be on the show, but let's get into it. There's one of three ways to get on there. One, you got a first year head coach. Usually if you got a first year head coach, it means your coach got fired. Rarely ever is it, Hey, your coach is so beloved. You guys did great. And he retires, right? Cowboys didn't meet that criteria. Next one is haven't made the postseason the last two seasons. Cowboys definitely meet that criteria. And then haven't been in the show in 10 years. Last time the Cowboys were on it was 08. So They've met that criteria. So the two criteria that they met, you definitely don't want, but hey, you're there. And then also, like if you are HBO and you get the chance to have the number one franchise in all of sports and you're Jerry, you get the free publicity, why not? Why not do it? It's a perfect marriage and you get to drum up interest. But what outside of that is intriguing for HBO about the Cowboys being on there? Um, there's a lot to like here if you're HBO. And not only is it the number one franchise in all sports, you also have their quarterback, which is the number one position for every NFL team and a lot of intrigue around him, right? So we're hearing reports out of the Cowboys that, hey, Dak looks fine. He's 100%. He's ready to go. But on the national audience side, no one has seen Dak throw. No one has seen what he looks like outside of that one picture of him on the beach with the fat old ankle. So they're going to pump this storyline a lot during the show. How does Dak's ankle look? They're going to go, you know, every time he gets hit, every time he trips, every time he rolls an ankle, they're going to be all over it. They're going to try to get audio of people saying, oh my God, how does he look? What's going on here? Can he make it? Um, take all comments with a grain of salt throughout this entire series, okay? Because there's going to be, you know, seeds planted for show purposes to get content, there is going to be, you know, certain coaches, certain players trying to make themselves appear a certain way because they know the cameras are on them, right? It's like, it, I mean, what would you do if the camera was on you? You know, there. even if you do everything right, you're still going to be self-conscious. You're still going to want to make sure you don't do anything embarrassing or say the wrong thing. So just as you watch it, just keep that in mind to take everything with a grain of salt and don't take it as truth for everything. But Huge storyline, Dak Prescott. Second storyline, you have probably the biggest personality from the NFL draft, first round pick, Michael, Michael Parsons. One of the biggest personalities, a little bit of a troubled past. So 
great content if you're a TV program, right? And then what makes it you know, even better is the fact that you, it's not just his personality. He's going to a linebacker unit that has Jalen Smith, who signed a, a big deal recently. You've got Leighton Vanderesh, who was a first round pick who didn't get his option picked up. So there's a lot of intrigue on, okay, how's this all going to work? And oh, by the way, they also drafted another linebacker later on the draft. So there is a, a fight for who's going to get the playing time and since this starts August 10th, you're going to see this develop, you know, through training camp and through preseason of what the Cowboys are going to do at that position. Who's going to be the odd man out? So that's going to be very intriguing if you're if you're HBO. And if you're a Cowboys fan, you want to see what the coaches are saying. Granted, through a filter, but you're, you're going to want to see what's going on there. And then, I, I mean, we haven't even got to the biggest personality on the Cowboys is Zeke. You know, every offseason, Cowboys fans know it's, hey, what does Zeke look like? Is it Potbelly Zeke or is it Cancun Zeke who's ripped? Which Zeke are we seeing? Does Zeke look slow or does he look fast? Can he bring that rookie magic that he had? What does Zeke look like? So, you know, this is going to be probably the the biggest storyline for the Cowboys as far as like actual storylines because like the Dak one we've got reports that he's good they'll make it you know a bigger deal but I think Dak's gonna be fine your linebacking unit you know your linebacking unit was terrible so it doesn't really matter what combination they throw out there it's got to be better than it was last year right and this is the most important storyline to me if you're a Cowboys fan because you had Zeke with the fumbling problems you had Zeke who couldn't get any yardage and yes the offensive line was suspect last year but he didn't look good at all and so if you're a Cowboys fan, you're wondering, okay, am I stuck with him being terrible for a high dollar again? Or can we get some of that magic back? And if you're a fantasy fan, it's like, yo, can I get some value if I draft him again? You know, maybe I can steal him later on. But, you know, that's a huge storyline too, is what Zeke looks like. And Zeke's not an idiot. He is no he knows the camera's gonna be on him. So I bet you he comes to camp looking good, looking ripped, looking ready to go. Outside of that, you know, you've got the offensive line. How do they look? Can they ever stay healthy? What's the mixture of offensive line going to be for the Cowboys? So that's going to be really intriguing too is because like your offensive line is usually the most tight-knit group. So they'll probably show some of that bonding and, and some of that wanting to persevere after a couple of years of embarrassment and also letting Dak down, you know, not being able to protect him and not being able to protect Andy Dalton. So that's going to be an, another very intriguing storyline that happens for the Cowboys. And then I'd say the last storyline that is probably going to get featured prominently is they always love like an underdog story. And when you look at the Cowboys and you look at the first year D coordinator, Dan Quinn, and, and what his, I guess, system is for defense of drafting the tall corner, the over six foot corner and kind of reaching on a couple corners. That's going to be a huge storyline, right? Is can he recreate the magic that he had in Seattle? Is he right by reaching for those cornerbacks that he did in the draft? Or is he just smarter than everybody else in the room, right? Was he smarter than the scouts? Was he smarter than the the people doing draft analysis for all the major networks? Can he pull this off? Because, I mean, one, it's a, it's a comeback story for Dan Quinn after what happened in Atlanta. It's a comeback story for... <laughs> for his system if he can prove that it wasn't just a flash in the pan and he didn't just have exceptional talent in Seattle that he can actually reproduce it in Dallas. And two, it'll be a renaissance for the Cowboys because they can even just get a mediocre defense. They should be playoff bound. So that's big. Now, I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm not trying to hate. I'm just saying 
Every time the Cowboys have been on hard knocks so far, they haven't made the playoffs that season. But third time's a charm, hopefully. I mean, hopefully third time's a charm. We'll see what happens, but it should be very intriguing. And of course, we'll give you a breakdown. But let's talk about a different show. Let's talk about the dark side of football. They just did an episode about like rivalries and they highlighted the Dallas Cowboys and Philadelphia Eagle rivalry. And if you have not watched dark side of football, go to Vice, go watch dark side of football. I promise you, you will not be sad. It has a lot of people from Dallas. It's like Chris Arnold, um, uh, a lot of former players on there that talk about what that rivalry was like, what happened. I don't want to spoil anything, but there's a lot of good stuff in there. It talks about... the Michael Irvin situation on how his kind of uh, career ended because of the Philadelphia Eagles and because of what they did. They actually talk about too the origins of like Bounty Gate. Like it wasn't a New Orleans Saints thing. It was actually a Philadelphia Eagle thing. So like just just watch it. Go check out Dark Side of Football. It's so so good. It, it's much much wa- uh, must watch television. Like you you need to check out this show. Um, a lot of good stuff. It also goes into a couple other rivalries too, with like the Raiders and stuff. But like it's predominantly most of the airtime is about the Cowboys and and um, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. And hey, K State fans, Darren Sproles makes an appearance, so <laughs> why not check that out? But really good show. Definitely check it out. Something else to check out is the fact that the Texas Rangers, the second worst record in the American League, somehow got three all-stars. Three all-stars from the second worst team in all the American League. Now, I'm not here to say, hey, Garcia or Gibson or Gallo isn't an all-star player. That's not for me to say or to say a team that's second to last shouldn't get an all-star. To me, that's the wrong way to look at it if you're a Rangers fan. Usually when you're second to last, you don't have talent to make an all-star. Usually they're, they're picking a designated player just to represent your team. But the fact you got three means like these people to me are deserving. But more importantly, if you're a Rangers fan, and you want to rebuild for the future, and you want to get talent, Gibson and Gallo making the all-star game is huge. And Garcia is big too for the future, but as far as like getting better quicker, Gibson and Gallo is huge because like this means they're valuable. This means they're trade assets. And if you want the Rangers to do the right thing, if the Rangers are serious about building a contender, then Gibson and Gallo need to be gone before the deadline. They have to be gone. You can't have Gibson with a sub-2 ERA, and you can't have Gallo, who's going to be free next year, and get nothing for these guys. You cannot live that way. Gibson's sub-2 ERA is being wasted on you. So you win like three extra games uh, for the rest of the season. Who cares? You aren't making the playoffs. Gibson ain't going to stay here long-term. Get rid of him. Flip him to a team that's desperate for help in the postseason. Gallo, he's not going to come back next year. Your ownership has proven they're not going to pay him. And honestly, they shouldn't pay him. Gallo isn't a face of the franchise guy. If you are awful and you want to keep somebody and pay him big money, they have to be the face of the franchise, someone you can build around. And Gallo has proven he's not that guy. He's proven he's a very good player, but he's not the man. So don't pay the man when you're awful. Go trade this guy and go find the man or find a bunch of prospects that you can get to potentially build for that future and save that money that you're going to spend on Gallo and go spend it on the man in free agency because there's a lot of good players coming out. And then Garcia... This is up to the Rangers. Now, I I say Gibson and Gallo are an absolute must. You have to trade Gibson and you have to trade Gallo 
while their stock is high before the deadline or you will regret it if you're the Rangers and you are team building incorrectly. Gibson, Gallo, gone. Have to be. Different discussion here with Garcia. And this is strictly what you want to do here. Do you believe in Garcia as a future star or are you going to try to sell him while he's hot? What do you think? Did you find a diamond in the rough that everybody else passed on that everybody thought was left for dead? Or did you catch a guy who's really streaky, right? Is he going to be a rude neck door real streaky where he's going to show you glimpses and never be the man? Or did you really find a star? And the Rangers have to decide this because he's never going to be more valuable than he is right now. So you either keep him for the future and lock him up or you get rid of him for his highest value that he will ever have. And it's strictly what the Rangers think of him. And they'll tell you, like JD is going to tell you what you think, what they think of him by the deadline. You will know if the Rangers truly believe in Garcia or if they view him as someone who is just hot, not a streaky guy, who is a streaky guy who's not going to be here for the long haul. So I'm very curious about what they do with him because I don't know what to think of him yet. And I would love to get some type of sense of what the Rangers think of him. And the trade deadline is going to tell me exactly what the Rangers think of Garcia. The good thing is he's cheap, so if you want to gamble, go ahead and gamble on him. But Gibson and Gallo, they have to be gone. And if they don't trade him and they don't try to get rid of Gallo and Gibson, like it's going to be very disappointing because like in years past, J.D. has had a mentality of, you know what? The value isn't right. Like, look at you, Darvish. The value was never quite right, and by the time they traded you, they didn't get what they were expecting for him. They passed on deals that were better in the past for you, Darvish. So it's don't hold on too late to Gallo. Don't hold on to Gibson and get nothing. Whatever someone's willing to give you, just make the trade, because especially for Gallo, he's not going to be here, so you have to get something. You have no leverage with him. Gibson, you have a little bit of leverage because he's pitching sub two, and there's a lot of teams that can use pitching for the postseason. So Gibson, you can play a little hardball with, but Gallo, you just you got to take the the best offer and go. There is no like renegotiating the offer. It's whatever you want to give me, give me, and, and take him off my hands. Luckily, Gallo's an all-star now, you know, another year of making the all-star. So at least you can get better value than you were going to get like, say two months ago when he was truly slumping. So big news for the Rangers, huge news that like one, you have a potential future, you know, perennial all-star on your team, Garcia, depending on what you believe, but you have two, two high, high, high commodity trade assets here in in Gallo and Gibson. So you got to get rid of them. And, And this is really like, if you're a Rangers fan who's been frustrated with JD, this is JD's career right here. What happens with Gibson and what happens with Joey Gallo at the trade deadline will make or break JD's career. You don't typically get two rebuilds if you're a GM in any sport. You know, like JD's fortunate that he's getting another opportunity. He's in the midst of his second rebuild with the Rangers. And this is going to set the path of either being a successful rebuild or a failure rebuild. And he's only going to get two years to prove it. So whatever he trades for, it's got to be good. They gave him another shot. They're giving him another opportunity because like the Rangers don't have this successful history as a franchise. So the guy who was there with you when you were good, you usually tend to give him a second chance. But 
based on whatever they get here. This is this is JD's career. So I mean, if it all goes to crap, just you know, you can be happy in the fact that he won't be here anymore. And if you get proven wrong that he's not crap, that he's very good, then hey, you've got a good baseball team. But based on what you get for Gibson and Gallo, is going to make or break JD and whether or not he's going to be a long term GM for the Royal or for the Rangers. So it's going to be very interesting to see what what happens here. Uh, the other turn of the coin, my Royals, man. Oh my gosh, just multiple double digit losing streaks just seem to be imploding. And like I told you to bet the over is looking good early on, but it's not looking good right now. They're not trending for it. I still believe though, because if you look at that roster, they have no power. You know, Solaire has been non-existent, and at some point during a 162 game season, you are who you are. So since he hasn't shown anything and hasn't had any power, and same thing with Hunter too, at some point needs to come back, and I'm hoping after the All-Star break it does, and the Royals go on a little run here, because you can't go on those losing streaks throughout the year, right? Like, at some point, you are who you are throughout the 162-game season, so I think the bad stuff is behind the Royals. You know, hopefully Mondi's healthy, and you can make a decision on him, but I, I think it's probably a year of arbitration for him, but at least with Solaire, like you've got to show some pop. And like, if you're the Royals, like I think it's kind of proving that he's not the man of the future. Um, and that you're going to have to really attack this power outage that you have, uh, as a team, because you need it to be, to be successful. But I, I still believe in the over, still bet the over and bright side is Salvi looks tremendous coming off of that missed year coming off of that injury. He looks like the best catcher in baseball. He's an all-star starter looking great. So if you can correct this power issue that you're having, Having, then the Royals are set up to go on a pretty good run. And even though they're struggling, when you struggle and you aren't in contention, which the Royals will not be in contention, there is a bright spot to this. And it's like all these young pitchers that you're seeing. When you struggle, when you're a struggling MLB team, you aren't necessarily worried about wins anymore. So you can let these young pitchers, these guys like, you know, get blown up. Not not blow an arm out, but like get blown up in a game and start back uh, on their next start. You don't have to send them back down to the minors. Like they get to work through their issues that they're having. You know, if you were a contender, then it's like, well, I can't trust you out there. Every game's important. I'm trying to make the playoffs here. I got to send you away and put somebody else in. But when you're out of playoff contention, which is what the Royals are, still bet the over, uh, these guys get to work through it. You know, they get to learn all hands on training at its finest against the best hitters in baseball. So, like, that's the bright spot is that your young guys are kind of like moving up a year as far as like experience and timetable to being good. So that's the bright spot for the Royals. Hopefully it works out and hopefully my over bet is still right. But Salvi is still tremendous. Doesn't look any signs of slowing down from that injury. And you, you're kind of getting decisions on Solaire not being the guy of the future, right? Like this guy is streaky. I don't see him on the Royals roster long term. So at least you're getting some answers, but I, I think eventually his power will come towards the end of the year. So usually with those guys too that are streaky as the pressure wanes, which is what it will do after the all-star break since the Royals won't be in contention, they usually turn it on. They're usually better. They don't feel like they're pressing anymore, right? The Royals were hot. They were in contention second in the, uh, in the, in the division earlier this year, and you really saw him pressing. So now that they're out of it, hopefully that pressure goes away and they can start to start to build, hopefully get his trade value up if he has any, which I doubt, but at least they can get some good things going to next year and really see what they have in that young, young pitching core. 
Speaking of a young core, let's talk about Luca. You know, uh, hopefully we can build a core around him on the Mavs. But let's talk what he's doing in Slovenia. Like they've made the they've made the Olympics for the first time in the history of that country. That's huge, absolutely huge. And he did it emphatically with a with a triple double. But let's talk about where they fit into the Olympics. And of course, we'll hit the U.S. So the U.S. is in Group A. So they'll ha- they'll go up against France, the Czech Republic, Iran. Um, group B is going to consist of Australia. So if you care about Australia, you may notice a couple of players on that team, i.e. Josh Green. So Josh Green Green didn't get a lot of minutes for the Mavs this year. He was their first. He was their first round pick. So. I would say watch the Olympics, Group B, Australia, to see what you have in him. Uh, that That's going to be your big storyline in Group B because outside of that, um, there's nothing else for you to really watch there. <laughs> um, next up, I, I mean, there there is Germany with, with Maxi, but I, I, I would say you already know what Maxi is. The most important thing is what's Josh Green, so you'll get a chance to really see him playing against some some former NBA talent and against NBA talent, so let's go to group C and this is where Slovenia got slotted. They're going to go up against Argentina, which is traditionally very good uh, in basketball. They'll go up against Japan, Spain, who's usually very good at basketball. I mean, when you think Spain, you got to think of the Gasol brothers. You got to think of Ricky Rubio. There's a lot of good players on that Spanish roster. So they're going to have their work cut out for them. And then you have Slovenia making it with Luka for the first time in their history. So if they are able to get out of group play, then you have to really question if Slovenia has a better roster than the Mavs do at this point because they shouldn't make it out of group play. Not against Spain, not against Argentina. This is actually like if you want to like discount the Americans because the U.S. should run through everybody. So we're not going to count them as a hard group because like they are the hard team in that group. This is the hardest group right here is Group C with Argentina, Japan, Spain, and uh, Slovenia. So very curious. There's a lot of storylines. If you're a Mavs fan, you know, biggest storyline is, is Luka progressing, you know, as a player, keeping developing. He took a jump from freshman to sophomore year. Can he take another jump? And what you're hoping is it's that MVP jump. And not only that, like for all the concern about Luka coming pudgy every offseason, being a little overweight, uh, there's no break here. Like the break is gone. He's playing in the Olympics. So his offseason just got shortened tremendously. So he's going to be staying in shape, which is big if you're a Mavs fan. And if you're a Mavs fan, you want to, you want him to keep playing. You want them to keep doing well. So he keeps uh, keeps going because like injuries won't be the concern with a young guy like Luka. So I what I'm really hoping for is the U.S. versus Slovenia at some point in this Olympics. I don't think it will happen because I don't think Slovenia can get out of group play, but Hey, I mean, all I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm going to be rooting for them, not over the U.S., of course, but rooting for them to make it happen. And then I'm definitely going to catch some Australia games because I'm like you. I don't know what we have in Josh Green. And the Olympic teams that he'll be going up against, it's going to be a step up from the college competition that he had, but obviously a step down from the NBA competition, unless they're playing the U.S., obviously. But that's going to be interesting to see. And it's a very good storyline for you to follow is, what does Josh Green look like? And what kind of minutes is he going to get? Because, like, hopefully he's getting a lot of minutes on this Australia team. I, I mean, they've got Patty Mills, Joe Ingles. They, they got Aaron Bynes. So they've got a lot of, like, NBA players, former NBA player, and Della Denova, too. Like, they've got some NBA talent on this team. But you don't want him 
coming off of the bench or getting less minutes than Exum and Dylan Anova, who who are NBA afterthoughts at this point. Like you want him to be having a big role, and if he has a big role on a good Australia team, then you need to be we need to be thankful because it means like they obviously see something in him, and hopefully he can bring that to the Mavs this next off season. But uh, big storylines for the Mavs if you if you care at all about the Olympics, it's going to give you something to watch. So Olympics start July 23rd, and then the men's basketball tip-off begins July 25th and will be done by August 7th. So basically Olympic basketball is going to take you to the Dallas Cowboys and hard knocks on August 10th. So you watch Olympic basketball to the 7th, get your fix in, find out what you got in some Mavs players, and then you can go right into NBA, NFL hard knocks with the Cowboys. Thanks for tuning in. Much appreciated. Hopefully Mila's better. Hit me up on I-35 Sports CXN. We're looking for some like uh, big news. We've got some stuff working that we hopefully can bring you uh, into the future, but I won't tell you just yet. Um, outside of that, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye, guys.